They don't have LASIK for ears yet. <laughs> I guess it's Q-tips. <laughs> I don't remember the last time I cleaned my ears. That's pretty disgusting, actually. I don't remember the last time I recorded a podcast. I don't remember the last time <laughs> I did a lot of things. Yeah, it's been a while since we've recorded. You're like 63 it's Probably now. like five months, right? Damn near. No, May 21st was our last uh, our last episode. And, you know, we had reasons. We had reasons. We were never going anywhere. You moved in. It was a big deal. Yeah. You moved in for like a day. One day. <laughs> and then you left me. I'm sorry. Like you were my second wife. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, stuff just comes along and happens. Yeah. All for the better, because here we are on one of the nicer fall. It well, feels it felt very fall like when I was coming when I was outside this evening. I was like, oh, that almost felt cool. I know it's 90 degrees still. But... By the time this show debuts and episode one of season four, I'm sure it'll be fall. Yeah. Even though this was recorded pre-fall. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I was excited today about uh recording so we've been trying to get together for maybe three or four weeks to do our newer episodes and start over again with the uh podcasting but there was always like a reasonable reason as to why we didn't get together and today felt right it does it felt right and i got the same like anticipation that you get when you know you're going to like a theme park or an amusement park <laughs> And you're trying to go to sleep the next day, and you're like, ah, I can't wait to ride this coaster, this coaster. That's how I get with this show, because my brain rattles through all of the potential topics, of which we we'll probably won't talk about any of them tonight. <laughs> we'll probably just talk about whatever comes up and whatever we meander into. But yeah, this uh, this program's had a had a special place in my existence and in my life for the last three or four years where it was sort of a weekly routine of catching up with the world out there and the the world um, amongst our, our friend group, amongst our what's going on in our lives and all that. It allowed us to keep track of, uh, you know, important stuff that was going on. And, man, we've been through a lot in the last three years. I listened back to these episodes, and uh, there's been a lot going on from start <laughs> to finish. We went through a pandemic. We uh, each went through some relationship dramas. We each came out of relationship dramas, uh, much for the better in all fronts. And and then there's this show that's like been a constant throughout it, a running theme. And there's been a lot more than that, of course. Like celebrity deaths, <laughs> a couple Super Bowl champions, random <laughs> stuff. But no, it's good to be back. And um. It feels, it feels different. I feel, I feel different. I can't speak for you, but I feel like a different man. <clears throat> oh yeah, I'm definitely in a much different place than I was before. I'm sitting, I'm sitting Indian style on my bench. I've never done that. <laughs> I, I don't know that that means anything. I feel at peace with the, with the ambiance around me, the environment, mm. and I'm not being sarcastic when I say it. I really feel feel good i feel like this season we're tackling some stuff that we've been meaning to get to that's uh 
it's back to the outside world now. I think we've worked on ourselves in the last season a little bit. We, yeah. we got some stuff out in the open. We tackled a lot of difficult talking points with Miguel here as well, who will be back if he feels like venturing out into the wild all three miles. <laughs> yeah, if he can drive that far by yeah. himself. And right. new guests, I'm looking forward to new guests, I'm looking forward to returning guests, looking forward to new discussions. There's a lot of things that I think we have room for getting into this season. And, you know, it's always been, my idea has been one long conversation, but you, know, you take a three-month break and I guess you're solidifying that you do seasons from this point on. We'll just take a summer break every time. Oh. Instead of just labeling our episodes or ready to start season stuff? No, not necessarily. It's uh -huh. just the break was noticeable for our listenership. That it I was. I didn't I was, know existed. I've got hit up more during our break about, hey, when are you guys going to do more episodes? And I'm like, I think we have a very strong female listenership that we've we've always assumed it's been a bunch of guys, I think. Yeah. At, at first, I mean, I guess it started like that because we just. We're two guys saving the world. And what guy listening out there wouldn't want to listen to a couple guys trying to save the world? But then the women started listening so they could be like, how can we prevent these guys from saving <laughs> the world? <laughs> yeah, I'm not, not quite sure that's how that worked. Well, <laughs> well we both got divorced. Hell <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. We, we both got divorced while hosting a podcast that teetered on some risque topics uh, regarding, you know, personal. And in both cases, uh, neither of our exes listened to the show at all. That's very strange. So that's on them. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe now they'll be uh, added to the listener group, the listenership. Maybe now they'll have more interest. Do you notice that that's. Sometimes how it works, not just in a marriage or something, but when you distance yourself from a friend even, or from even the show, for example, the if you genu genuinely were attached to that concept or that person, your interest in what's going on in their life might build a little bit. Or it might develop more seriously to well, the point where it, it should have been when you were taking them for granted, for yeah, example. Yeah, maybe. Like the show. Um, yeah. Week in, week out for three years, and then it's gone for three months. And during those three months, it's like, it's not sad or anything, but it's like, you know, kind of kind of mismeandering. And then you come back, and all of a sudden, it's like a wave of, of intensity and fun and joy comes back. Today was a really good day. Yeah, I've started to engage a couple of different people in meandering-like topics. Oh, good. What and, is a uh, meandering topic, Morgan? And like uh, at the last thing that we talked about was somebody kind of off the cuff said, you know, I wish in our education system we taught people different points of views. Like they were like what Canada went through in World War Two well, was like an example of kind of what we were talking about. And so it was interesting. Hmm. Like and there was a little bit of debate, like should Germany have their own point of view that's allowed or that we even care about? Fascinating. Uh, there's a lot of things changing with the education system. Um, as a dad of a six-year-old who just got introduced into the first grade, um, it's a whole new world for her, and it's a whole new world for me, too, because, I mean, I don't... 
I don't generally remember what first grade was like for me. I remember big moments, but certainly not like what I had access to um, beyond like school lunch and the classes. But the classes seem to be more focused around um, emotional curriculum in a lot of ways, um, etiquette even in a lot of ways. There's um, an intro, there's like a learning curve into behavior almost. Uh, at an early age, and there's a couple things I'm not crazy about too, such as like school counselors and um, those sorts of presences being available to first graders to talk about topics. Uh, the the fact that there's like a an accessible counselor for all of these topics of which I, I don't know that a six year old is even introduced to yet in life but it's there and it's kind of like i don't know i i don't know that inserting that in a school scenario is something as a parent that i can just sign off on but i did sign off on it uh paper wise because that's another thing um that's interesting is there's a lot of signing off on extra programs that the school offers for the kid as far as um well there's uh a a lady who has a what's it called a seeing eye dog or or not a seeing eye dog um what are those service animal service animal (laughs) okay seeing eye dog he's such i mean that is kind of old school he's such an asshole (laughs) sasha's still an asshole (laughs) He's a, a dog racist. He's fat shamer. No, I'm yeah. not a fat yeah, shamer we'll anymore. Only in private. <laughs> not in public. Well, in public, but in private. No. <laughs> P- private public. Private public. Yes, exactly. But no. Uh, so there's a seeing. No, not a seeing eye dog. A service animal that's available to the kids. And I have to sign off on my daughter being able to access the seeing eye dog for therapeutic purposes. So it's like, uh, they go through a disclaimer explaining that an animal is more than just a pet and, um, service animals have been trained to provide comfort and to extend, uh, emotional it's like, sort it's of just having relief. a tough day at school. There's she a seeing to, eye dog. She gets to go hang out with the dog with the dog. Interesting. Yep. Or, she can go to a room and talk to the person who owns the dog and they can just have a little relaxing bit with the dog and the dog's there like four hours out of the day, three days a week for a two month stint. So I sign off on that. And then the school counselors in grade school or elementary school sign off on that. They go through stuff like, um, shooter drills, active shooter drills. Yeah, that's the stuff that would freak me out right there. Mm-hmm. There's strict security um, as far as the parents are concerned. Like, I had to go through a background check to be able to enter the school for uh, future, like, come see your cl- kid's classroom during school hours or come eat lunch with your kid. Wow, so all parents do that. Grandparents as well. Have, yeah. Wow. Grandparents as well. Now this is a um, middle middle class. So if you had like a criminal background, like you robbed a bank, they wouldn't let you go into the school. Nope. That's interesting. Well, I mean, I don't know that that's the case. It's probably a per case. It might be to curb sexual predators. 
Gotcha. As far as that background check's concerned. Because, I mean, I had a speeding ticket on my record. <laughs> they didn't say anything to you? No, they didn't say anything. Okay. Um, no, I'm I'm actually leaning more towards the sexual predator bit than, like, if you robbed a bank. Who robs banks, though, anymore? Well, it would be a cyber crime. Yeah, now, right? yeah. <laughs> That'd be a funny, like, background check. Well, I mean, this guy seems really nice, but uh, apparently he's been convicted of two or three cyber crimes. Or maybe money laundering. Bitcoin money laundering, yeah. Money laundering's interesting, too. I was having a discussion with my girlfriend about money laundering not too long ago. My mm-hmm. girlfriend is Olivia, who's uh, been a frequenter on this show, by the way. Um, Frequenter? Two, two episodes? Uh, two's more. Okay. Yeah, two's pretty frequent. Right. Uh, it's like one an, every 44 episodes. She's a rabid listener, too. She uh, tunes into every episode, I'm sure. No, we were having a discussion about... What was I just talking about? <laughs> no, we were with the discussion we were having before... Uh, oh, God. Mind, mind blank. It's okay. COVID. No, yeah, COVID. Yeah, this, is, this is a result of your COVID positive. Oh, great. <laughs> eating away at your brain already. From 10 months ago. No, uh, I was talking about the school and I was talking about background checks and then I was talking about something else that has slipped my mind. This is a new me, man. I don't stick to a topic very long. You didn't before. <laughs> I hate to tell you. You haven't changed much, big guy. Uh, well, yeah, I have. Well, from that being... standpoint. No, from all standpoints. Oh, yeah? From all? Is it noticeable that people change if you're close to them? If you see them day in, day out? Isn't it kind of like watching a tree grow? I don't know how noticeable it is, right? Because when you're around something that's growing in, you know, micro chunks, uh, you tend to not notice that. Yeah, I've known you for eight years, going on eight years now. Yeah, eight plus, going on nine years. And there hasn't been like a month or two where we haven't spoken or hung out or seen each other in a certain degree or capacity, whether it's working together or hanging out or doing the show. So the growth for a relationship like ours would be perceivable much more long-term, I would say. Like, I would have to look back at how's Morgan changed five years ago compared to now, as opposed to how's he changed in the last two or three months. Yeah, and well, most of the change happened in the last... Two or three months. Six months, yeah. yeah. Six months. Well, yeah, that's another thing. Does the circumstances of your situation really change you, or was the change always there and the circumstances brought it out? Probably. <laughs> Is that a good answer? I don't know. Um, You know, I was complacent, I think, with a lot of things in my personal life. Yeah, sure. Aren't we all? Yeah. Complacency uh, is... It feels much better to not be complacent in my personal life. Been on a couple of trips. We went on a trip together. Trips are fun. Yeah. The ocean was pretty cool. Yeah. Going to South Texas with all you guys and celebrating your 58th birthday was really exciting. It's 49, sir. You're, you're right behind me. I'm not right behind you. A whole decade as I was <laughs> yeah, just... that's okay. You're about to be 40. Discuss. No, I'm about Next to be year. 39. But 40, 
40 means nothing anymore. Yeah, neither does 50. 50 is the new 30. But observing change is interesting. You have to watch plants and you have to watch even like a day in the life of a city or uh, or a breathing environment. You have to watch it in time lapse usually to see the change. Right. Uh, to see the sun go up, sun go down, like the main core elements of life and existence require a speeding up of time to observe change. You can't just, well, I guess you could stare at the sun and watch it <laughs> rise and set once throughout the day once. And then you're done for um, the rest, rest of your life. Yeah. I hope it was worth it. And who am I to think that, you know, humanity isn't the same way. So I say that to say I've changed in a lot of, the expectations that I have for something like uh, the mass group of folks out there to exhibit a form of change that I feel is almost necessary for growth because um, that's what change is in a lot of cases. And so, you know, I used to have a, an impetus for wanting to see it happen as quickly as possible. And in some self-reflecting that I've done, I guess that was always me telling myself that too. Like I was in situations of which I wanted to change and I wanted to um, get out of in some cases and or renovate in some other cases or improve in, in some situations. And I used it to propel talking points of which I would observe places outside of me that needed change too. And so now, not saying I'm content with myself, I think I'm always growing and always uh, learning more and wanting to change a little bit about who I am on a daily basis in the upward trajectory. But now it's it's kind of like, it's not imperative that I make these drastic changes um, to myself anymore. I think there was a point of which I was feeling that chokehold. Um, that was inevitable and that, you know, major life activity needed to take place for me to realize that uh, things weren't going the way they needed to go. And and maybe that's all life is, though. <laughs> it's interesting. We um, <clears throat> recently have been studying a little bit, reading about micro change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really, this is more in the work environment than it is in a... Uh, in a personal environment, although I think it translates just fine. Micro change, like micro dosing, basically. <clears throat> Essentially, it's like if if you do the one thing that changes something by one percent, just do it. Yeah. Uh, and you just build on that. You know, if you're doing one percent a week, you're looking at you know four or five percent in a month yeah. uh, of change, and it, and over time, it really starts to make a difference. And, and because you're doing it gradually, you're also more likely to stick with that mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts to become more of a habit than drastically changing your life. Like I, I think I sort of drastically changed because I went from not exercising to full blown exercising and watching what I'm eating at the exact same time. And um, I mean, Major. I felt like I needed that. Sure. To kickstart a lot of things. There are uh, major differences, though, from where you were a year ago <clears throat> as far as your daily routine is concerned. And yeah. that's noticeable to you, especially yeah. because you're the human being living your life. Yeah. But now it's it's about 
just making those small changes to make things a little easier, a little better. Uh, I got to keep working out. I took some time off after I moved all my stuff. Holy crap, man. (laughs) My move. I will. I never want to move another thing ever. Like it's amazing what gets put into a three bedroom house these days. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. I I bet I rented five moving trucks over, over that time. I must've moved. I don't know. Quite a bit. 3,000, 4,000 pounds worth of crap. And then your next month was spent with your feet up in random locations in the United States. Well, so I, right after I got to go to Orlando, that was work, mm-hmm. but fun. Mm-hmm. Um, then I got to go to San Antonio for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Come on, keep going. And we got to go to uh, South Texas for fun. Uh-huh. And then I just got back from uh, Colorado for fun. fun. <laughs> and you go to the racetrack every week for, for fun. fun. <laughs> that hasn't really changed. Right. The only thing that's really changed there is I'm on an incredible hot streak here in the last two months, three Good months. Good for you. So. Uh, that hot streak's going to keep going if you're in the zone. Uh, I hope so. What I think is this is this is karma. Ah. Interesting. Like I have paid a lot of dues into karma and I'm getting things kicked back to me now in a very positive way. I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, I've been told I've been way too nice in certain areas and I probably still am too nice in certain areas, but uh, it's okay. Karma is interesting. Karma could be the no, well, okay, let's go back real quick to uh, micro changes before we get okay. to karma. So, when you were talking about micro changes, in your world of employment, um, well, before micro changes, I was having to talk about how hard it is to observe smaller changes without a lot of time. But micro changes, if you have a system like that in place at work, how do you keep track of how the uh, positives are? Statistically, obviously, but like, what's the, what's the barometer? What are you measuring? I give me an example. For example, like with software, maybe it's efficiency. Like, even though like you've got guys who are in the code every day. And so let's say they're working on problem A, but while they're working on problem A, they notice this thing could be better and it will only take me five minutes to make this procedure better so attentiveness too. so it's kind of like paying attention it's it's really the way i've always looked at life honestly it's like a what i can fix now to make it easier later i want to go ahead and do that and so when i'm looking at a broad problem looking at every little detail and thinking about every little detail so it'll save my myself time and it doesn't snowball into a bigger problem right but i think a lot of people just focus on what they're supposed to here's the problem this is all i'm going to look at and so what we're trying to do is encourage the guys to look for different ways to uh, just make a small improvement and you know it's not going to be much in a week it's not going to be much in two weeks but it might make a big difference in a year or six months uh, on our workload yeah Um, and so it's and I think you can sort of do the same thing in, in your personal life, too. You can just kind of set a polish few Polish a turd? Yeah, polish a turd, sure. If, if your life is, no, I mean, like, on if it's in terrible shape, because it's hard to convince someone that is in a terrible situation and not much going for them, and they're just down on their luck, and they have been for, let's say, a sustained amount of time, and there's not a lot of, 
positive motivation surrounding them. It's hard to break through to those people, but I think tapping into micro changes is what might be the outlet for them to observe growth within themselves. And then that's when things start taking off. Because as soon as you're aware of something changing, that's strangely enough, like within your realm of doing, like if you can acknowledge to yourself or or self-acknowledge that you were responsible for something going your way or something changing for the better and that you had a little bit of input in it, that kind of becomes like a, a fun area of living life. When you understand that you're not at the mercy of things happening around you and you do have some semblance of authority over how your life goes and how yeah. y- you come out of things and how you handle things. That's you when can it change how things impact you. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. The, the things may still happen, the negative things even, but they're hardly, they're not noticeable like they used to be when you were depressed, uh, overweight, um, sad. Um, in a dead end job, in a bad marriage or a bad relationship, the, the actions that are occurring out of your window, out of, out of life's window that you're looking through, they don't look the same when you've got yourself in a good situation and when you can handle, you know, the worst that's going on around you because bad stuff is kind of inevitable, um, in order for change and progress to come about true and and a lot of things seem insurmountable that are around you or, or or that you're dealing with it just seems overwhelming and but if you just break it down and just do one little thing a day for five or ten minutes yeah um over a week's time it'll make a huge difference even if it's something as simple as well it's going to sound cliche but like reading uh yeah picking up a book instead of that that's I broke out of a lot of ruts in my life and a lot of things that I knew were not healthy for me by doing healthier versions of the activity. Like, uh, I don't want to say it now because I don't want you to be disappointed, but I haven't had a bang in a week. Um, and you know, this is the first one I've had (laughs) in five days. Oh, good. It's because you're out and you're having fun. Yes. But it's also because I didn't get a ton of sleep last night. So fair enough. But it's not like I quit energy drinks. I did supplement it with a different energy drink, but it's a lower caffeinated drink. And I have one and maybe two uh, on days where I really want a second one. But it's not a bang and it's not 300 milligrams and it's not, you know, a big 16 fluid ounce can. Um, So I did the same thing with cigarettes. I weaned off of them by smoking e-cigarettes for like a couple of weeks and then I dropped it completely. So it's reverse micro-changing, I guess, um, when it comes to bad habits. You don't always need to do something or drop something cold turkey, but weaning off of it and replacing it with something that your mind recognizes, um, because, you know, habit forming and addiction is a neurological state to where it's, you know, kind of tough to break if you're dependent on something neurologically. Um, I guess we could argue about like what that really means, but not, not, not really. If you build an addiction to a drug, um, it's probably healthier to slowly 
come off of it than it is to cold turkey it because not every brain Probably. is capable of yeah. of doing that. Yeah. So well, and then a lot of the drugs that you take that help you like stop smoking or whatever, stop drinking kind of do sort of that thing yeah. and and the dosage on those drugs changes as you take it. But that's the weird thing because my segue and to bring this all together in one bigger talking point a drug and a habit aren't too far off from one another as far as neurological tripping up and what it does to the brain if you have a habit you're tapping into access centers in your brain that are very similar to if you have a drug dependency yeah i would say they they're linked of course so I'm... let's say you spend too much money let's say you um eat out too much. Let's say you are too much of a workaholic or all of these things that could be habitual and negatively impacting your wellness or your best chance at having a fulfilling and happy life, subjectively, whatever you want to call it. Um, Let's just say these things interfere um, with that potential. Then back to micro changes, the way out is micro changing. For a lot of people that shouldn't go cold turkey. Because you see, I used to be like cold turkey guy. I'm like, I don't understand why we can't just, just stop get rid of this. all the fast food yeah. places. I don't understand why people have to go to work <laughs> nine to five every day. They hate their jobs. Like, And then what's transpired over the last three and a half years is a lot of people hate their jobs. Still. But they're supplementing <laughs> activities that they enjoy doing with added time that their jobs have perhaps granted them. See, I wonder if um, I wonder if the work-life balance today is far better than it was, you know, pre-COVID. I think for like the number of hours people work is less now than than before. There's a, probably a few jobs that are different. I was going to say, for people that are fortunate enough to be, quote unquote, uh, working to middle class, so that's to say, like, you get paid a salary, I think that's the case. But for hourly folks, I don't think we're there yet. I know know a couple of little people who work 60 hours a week, and they get paid a salary. Is that staffing shortage Staffing shortage, demand, um, supply and demand, the customer, like, frequency and just yeah the hecticness and all that so it's not like that for everybody but for a lot of people right oh, i mean just look at you you can go on vacation anytime you want pretty much so can my ex-wife <laughs> the common denominator you both work for, for a software company yeah. for a software company but you guys aren't an isolated case you never have been um that environment that you work in is somewhat symbolic of the general it um work environment that you know you can superimpose on any other firm or any other company that has multiple departments and a product right and so if it's happening with you guys then odds are more than likely it's happening across the board at places that have similar employment numbers similar uh, customer numbers similar tenure and existence and all that because these companies can't help but 
ride the wave of what each other is doing in a lot of ways. You guys like you guys comprise a major part of the economy in general. <clears throat> so you'll you'll love this. There's at some point, what I hope happens is we go to a four-day work week, too, on top of all the time off. We also go to a four-day work week, which would be nice. Four-day work week. Are you working 10 hours a day? You are. But okay. I. But if you really think about it, you almost work. Well, especially when I commuted. I was definitely already working 10 hours a day. So now you're 10 hours a day with work from home options. Yeah. You know, Which, a lot of people aren't crazy about work from home anymore, though. Yeah, there's some people. I mean, I, I do miss aspects of the office, right? Just uh, seeing people I don't see all the time. Um, bonding with some of the your coworkers, cutting up with some of your coworkers. Fantasy football is a lot more fun if you can all be in the office kicking each other in the balls. Sure. Um there's a lot of things there like that I that I miss about the office. And what's crazy is once our lease is up, I don't think my company will have off quote unquote office space anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll we'll probably do something like um, now that you have all these different companies that offer individual office space at different locations, and so uh, we may end up looking at at like some place that's national or it has offices spread throughout the city uh, so that people can just go into one of these um, temporary offices if they need to, to be in an office an space office setting. Um, it's a little disappointing because uh, you're not going to see the people you work with, but I think those days may be behind us as far as like this type of a company, a, a software company where you just don't have to be in a building. Sure. So you're getting rid of that expense of leasing or owning the office building. And um, I think a lot of companies are starting to go that way. Oh, yeah. I, I agree. It's um, it's catch-22 for a guy like me because I've noticed coming out of COVID and having really a full first year of things getting back to normal, I guess, um, 2022. The um, commute hours have changed. So traffic jams occur from any time between, let's say, in any major city, in my opinion, from 7.30 all the way through to about 9.30 now. And then they start again at about 2.30 and can go till about 5.30. So it oh, I feels... I they go later than that. I bet it, the few times I've driven home... Depends on the day. Been in the office on Fridays, and I'm leaving five o'clock. And it's oh, still... there's good traffic till probably six thirty. Maybe depends on what part of the metro. Dallas is a little and, weird. Too. And I know early morning, six thirty. Oh, six. In that certain early? places, it's bad still. In certain places, I can uh, agree. Like, like three sixty, for example, is terrible. That's at, fair. I drive about, about six a.m. to about ten a.m. That is the worst highway I think in all of Dallas Fort Worth. <laughs> uh. Dallas is just, which I don't have to drive that highway anymore. I wish we knew like what the population growth in the last two years was for Dallas, because it feels like it's gotten, it feels like it's gotten bigger. Oh yeah. Well, we've had a few businesses relocate their national headquarters here, right? Mm, I guess so. Yeah. um, So I'm not crazy about that and I'm not crazy about 
the idea that there's no more 24 hour stores like the big box stores, like no Walmarts open. That drives me insane. I I would love to be in a Walmart at 1 a.m. It would make things so much easier. Like after the show, it's generally later at night. uh, And I, I used to stop and do my grocery shopping on my way home or something along those lines. There's no one in the store. And Kroger till 1 a.m. Yeah, well, I'm going to miss that. There are a couple. I think Winco no. is open, but I, you got to drive extra. Go yeah, there. Winco is a 24-hour place. And they usually only have one cashier. What else did we miss in the last three months? Oh, here, let me just give a, while you're looking up the numbers on Dallas, let me give a roundup of science stories and science research that is confirming hypotheses that we had in previous seasons. So let me start with this one. Our growth uh, rate is just under 1%. No, that's not bad. Um, extreme heat and extreme cold temperatures are associated and confirmed by scientific research with a marked rise in aggressive online behaviors, including hate speech, a new AI-based study has discovered. So they actually found the sweet spots of temperature and what they call the feel-good window. Uh, which is 12 to 21 degrees Celsius. So 54 to 70 degrees Fahrenheit is apparently like really cool for your brain, really calm, really neutral temperatures. Anything below 54 Fahrenheit and anything above 70, which it it gets markedly higher uh, once you cross 86, trips up more anger in the form of statistical um, data on tweets. So they studied... Uh, hate tweets of more than 4 billion tweets in, from United States users with an AI algorithm that determined where it was coming from, what the temperature was at that exact moment in time, and the concentrations of the tweets and where they were located. And the hot spots were literally hot spots of peak temperatures and high temperatures. So that's pretty interesting. This is fresh from the um, University of... University of We Steal Meandering Ideas and post them for our own uh, Potsdam Institute for Climate Impact Research. No, I'm kidding. They didn't steal our hypothesis. I've known this for a lot, a long time. (laughs) Well, it's always been a theory. Well, it's always been confirmed in um, human, uh, like in outdoor stuff, offline stuff. This is the online like confirmation that like the temperature wherever you're at outside or inside if if you wake up to a hundred degree day you're just more aggravated from jump like from jump you're easier to piss off when it's a hundred degrees outside (laughs) and that's interesting to me because if long term if you want to do something about that or change something about it it may mean staying indoors and not letting the weather affect you as much if the extremes are that high. If you care about your attitude or your attitude being affected. Mm. Okay. But you can get real nitty gritty with it and look at uh, maybe some police brutality cases and what the temperatures were like in those situations. Crime even. I had a theory that maybe this is how crime originated is that the first bout of extreme weather that the neanderthals encountered and they started <laughs> clubbing each other <laughs> over the head because it was so hot um i i would imagine there are 
way more other factors in than just the temperature. Temperatures above 30 degrees Celsius, 86 Fahrenheit, are consistently linked to strong increases in online hate across all climate zones and socioeconomic differences, such as income, religious beliefs, or political preferences. So at least those categories aren't factors. Um, it seems to be across the board in those cases. Um, dependent, regardless of where you live, regardless of how much money you make, regardless of uh, what kind of job you have, seems like the temperature is directly like impactful. Well, for Twitter users who spout hate. Uh, four billion tweets. Sure. Okay. That's yeah, fair. but the four billion tweets may be from 100,000 users. That's fair. <clears throat> Yeah, and then I would probably want to, like, their activity picks up. Does their activity pick up because there's more daylight in the summertime? You know what I'm, I mean? Do they have more time off during that period? Is that when they take vacations and now they got more time to spout the hate? It's interesting. Maybe it's teachers <laughs> who oh, get they- every summer off. I'm just kidding. These are our friends at the Lancet as well that were associated with this. And uh, the Lancet, we learned, is a reputable source of information. I'm trying to think of when I've been the most angry in my life. And I don't don't think it was temperature. What about the most judgmental? I'm more judgmental during the summer than I am any season. I don't know, man. I'm coming off of of a summer of joy. Sure. (laughs) <laughs> this has been the best summer I've had in a, in a long time. Probably this decade or this century. So you're not bumping anybody <laughs> this century? Yeah, fair Probably. Enough. I yeah. mean, since 2000. When you put it like that, you make, make it seem like you're 140. I know. I know, right? Um, Man, I, it's so different, but... Um, a new study suggests that your go-to frozen meals, cold cuts, could be amplifying your risk of cancer or premature death. Sodas as well and ultra-processed foods across the board have been linked to cancer. Uh, The first study found men who ate in the top fifth of ultra-processed food consumption had a 30% higher risk of developing colorectal cancer, which, in other words, is... um, (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. It's butt cancer. I prefer like ass cancer to butt cancer. <laughs> in Canada, um, to dissuade you from smoking cigarettes, they put pictures of people's lungs on the uh, packs of cigarettes. It's interesting. So I'm thinking maybe, uh, maybe the like frozen meals on the back. There's a lot of free space. Um, the Pepsi cans, the cold cuts, the Oscar Mayer, whatever it is. Maybe we can put pictures of what colorectal cancer looks like for people. Yeah, that would be interesting. Maybe. Not. <laughs> You're disgusting to have that like on your food packaging and whatnot. I mean, it, it would get the point across. People would be revolted to the point where they didn't even want to touch the package. Maybe. 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 So these are just a couple of stories that in the last week... Um, Five-year-olds perceive slimmer people to be happier than overweight people. That's an interesting one. Um, the middle... Oh, that's... 
Exposure to air pollution within the first six months of life alters a child's microbiome, increasing the risk for allergies, diabetes, obesity, and influencing brain development. A couple years ago, we had the random conversation regarding um, pollution and what it could do um, when it was linked to asthma and early onset asthma in kids in big cities and all that. And now it's starting to be linked to um, increased risks in allergies and more serious uh, disabilities like diabetes and some brain issues as well. Another one, uh, circadian rhythm disruption found to be common amongst mental health disorders. Circadian rhythm disruption um, has been linked to things like anxiety, autism, schizophrenia, and Tourette syndrome. So um, studies in like one thing leading to another have all stemmed from, I guess, the data that they've combed through here. which is a lot. Okay, a problem with sleep. So a problem with sleep has been, I want to find out the actual percentile. It's a large percent, um, but I don't want to misquote it. Okay, well, I won't misquote it. So the onset of all of these things uh, that have been reported by patients at their doctors or clinically uh, once they've been diagnosed the onset of things like severe anxiety, autism, schizophrenia, or developing Tourette syndrome even, have all had the precursor of disruptions in sleep. So then people, uh, scientists and researchers looked at not the causes of the disruptions, but what the actual like interruption of the previous natural flow of circadian rhythms Basically, the the flow that you were going at, whatever it is, if you got seven hours of sleep, six hours of sleep, eight hours of sleep, a change from that to something else that's drastic. Say you go from eight hours to four hours all of a sudden, and that's your new routine for like a month, but you've been sleeping eight hours for 20 years. And then all of a sudden you're asked to go to four or five hours because, I don't know, you became a new parent in your life. Then that change has been linked to a higher chance in developing pretty much every mental disorder, which is fascinating to me. Um, because it is because I don't get much sleep. (laughs) Yeah. But you haven't been getting much sleep forever. That's true. So it's your circadian rhythms, not getting much sleep. Yeah. So, yeah, at some point this is going to catch up with me living on four and five hours of sleep. Most of the days it's not, not healthy or good, or I ended up taking sleeping for four hours, being up for two or three, and then sleeping for another four or five hours. It's really hard for me to sleep like eight hours straight. Like I got to be dead tired uh, to to basically stay in a bed for eight plus hours. But you take naps too, right? I do. Yeah. Um, a lot of a lot of times at the end of my day, I'll take a little bit of a nap. Um, you know. A person that I'm seeing in my private life uh, works evenings, so it's convenient to take a little nap, and then uh, and, and then that way I can be up a little bit longer and hang out with that person. Yeah, this um, this study is going to be published in Nature uh, Journal, which is another reputable source. 
um, a subsidiary program called the Translational Psychiatry Manual. And uh, some of the like blurbs that I'm reading here from the research group says that their analysis has found that circadian rhythm disruption is a factor that broadly overlaps the entire spectrum of mental health disorders. So as I was suggesting, pretty much every mental health disorder, if you roll the spool back at some point in its preliminary um, stages, is linked, had, to, is linked to trouble with sleeping or circadian rhythm disruption, whatever that may be. Repairing the disorder, is it just a matter of getting back, sleep, um, getting to sleep again? I haven't or read that has for it yet. Become, or are you unrepairable once uh, well, the damage we, is done? I, I know where you're going with this. Um, but, well, think about what you said earlier in this episode and tackling a problem before it becomes a bigger problem. If you don't have any of these things as of this moment, then one would suggest that it's repairable because you haven't yeah. developed the effect uh, that is being studied in all of these situations. Like, so, hey, <laughs> want to get rid of your Tourette's? Sleep more yeah, often. Sleep more often. Well, quite literally, it makes sense, right? Because yeah. if you're asleep, you're not cursing un- uncontrollably. <laughs> I mean, okay. I guess you could curse uncontrollably, yeah, yeah, but that's what Tourette's is, right? Well, it, it's not necessarily cursing, but it's that, that's that what it's most PC commonly um, portrayed PC. as, is like uncontrollable cussing at inappropriate times, but uh, I believe it's really just, it's a, just a tick. Even maybe it's a physical moment, movement versus something being verbal. Um, that, that's kind of uncontrolled. Uh, as it happens, 200,000 cases per year. And it's suggested that Tourette syndrome starts in childhood, which is interesting itself because I don't think, I think a child is developing their circadian rhythm up to a certain age. I would say maybe four or five years old is when you're really conscious of what going to sleep at a certain time can do for you in the morning. Um, as far as energy is concerned, refreshing. I mean, there's no newborn who just like conks out for 10 hours immediately and doesn't wake up crying for right. whatever reason. Usually it takes about a year and a half to two years in most cases for the uh, overnight like um, spurts to, sure. to dissipate. And then age three, you're kind of developing. And then I would say by age four, the kids realize that going to sleep and getting reasonable sleep uh, every night does good for them. And so it's fascinating to think that all of our mental health disorders, perhaps all of them, could develop from an early, early stage of not expediently establishing like a natural flow of sleep. Yeah, it's interesting. It's amazing what sleep can do for you. Um it's really when the body repairs itself um, at night and things. So if you're not getting a lot of sleep, it'll create a lot of a lot of health problems, not just mental problems, but a lot of health problems in general, not sleeping. Eating right before you go to sleep is a terrible thing, too, because... I'm guilty of doing that <laughs> at times, probably a couple of times a week. Mm. Well, I mean... P- p- for example, you might wait, well, let's say you work 
till 11 o'clock at night. Uh, and when you get home, you're hungry. Um, you might eat something and you're going to go to bed very shortly after eating that meal. I think when you're doing shift work and you're not on a daytime shift, I think it's, it's hard to not eat before you go to bed or harder to not eat before you go to bed. Is food, uh, food to you is just a replacement of lost energy, right? Like uh, as far as the conceptual idea of it and what it it does. Nutrients and energy. Sure. So certain shift work, I would agree with you. But do you think that, like, say you're working uh, an overnight shift at a hotel, audit, for example, you know that that job is like 20% work and 80% sort of, you can coast. Staying awake. Yeah. Staying awake in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Right. And so people that that eat a lot in low energy output situations, they're not helping themselves, right? True. In these situations. So... Um, what would a micro change for those people be? Uh, I I would probably start with examining how much I might eat before I go to bed. Okay, and then trying to curb it a little at a time. Okay. Um, you know, just uh, do a you know a fourth, you know, do seventy five percent of what you would normally do and then do 50% of what you would normally do and then well this try to break why... it down to a smaller snack that's 25% of what you would normally do and then cut it out eventually where you're not eating and i think you can curb those cravings as long as your schedule is staying the same yeah now, i might sound like a total moron with what i'm about to say um this okay. might not be the first time you hear me say that this season oh. <laughs> or this episode <laughs> But this explains why, let's say you're uh, 200 pounds overweight. This explains why more exercise or just even a little micro dose of exercise makes you lose so much weight. Yeah. Is because you don't even necessarily have to change the amount of food that you're taking in. But if you have more energy output, you do have more reason to eat. Yeah. Definitely. So if you are, if you do 40 jumping jacks out of the blue and you weigh 450 pounds, you might lose five pounds overnight. You could. Theoretically. Yeah. With my theory. Because, so it's one, it's one or the other. If you do both, you're going to lose weight regardless. If you change your diet and you exercise, you're going to lose a, a good amount of weight. But if people's fear is letting go of their guilty habits or their uh, their appreciation or their just enjoyment of the meal and the eating, and they don't want to change any of it, then it makes perfect sense as to why increasing, not even exercise, just physical activity. Yeah, well, and one of the things I do did more. personally that I did was when I would be like hungry in the evening and I would feel like, okay, I need to eat. The only way I would allow myself to eat is after I'd walked around the block or after I did some push-ups or sit-ups and then I would get something to eat. I would make myself do something physical before I would get the snack. Yeah. And we've been attributing this. You hear it all the time. Um, you'll see a couple, um, who say, Oh, he eats 10 times as much as me, but doesn't put on a pound. Right. Well, that tells me that whoever's saying that isn't doing as much as the other person. <laughs> like in this, general, there could be some that's, that is their job is a lazier job. 
Perhaps. It could be, but you could also have somebody that ha- actually has an issue. Mm-hmm. I know they're not a bunch of them out there that actually have like uh-huh. a pituitary gland issue or something along those, those sure, lines. Perhaps. But there a might be small percentile more. It's a very small like percentile. Yes, but <laughs> let's not trample on them. No, let's continue going with my theory. Let's let's theorize that metabolism is an accrued thing. Let's say that you develop when we well you do develop metabolism over time. But let's say it's not strictly dietary and it's a whole spectrum of life activity. Okay. So I mean, depending on genetic? your job, um, well, that plays into the original metabolism um, development. So you don't okay. really see a ton of body type. You don't see a ton of overweight three or four year olds unless they're being force fed disgusting food. Um, like you can have a pretty general diet for a toddler. And they'll stay within a realm of normal weight. It's when they go outside of those bounds. Because all their activity is generally the same as far as crawling, as far as walking, as far as the developmental things that occur. However, when you start getting into fours, fives, sixes, and sevens, and the activity is up to the individual and up to the child themselves, then you start getting lazy kids or lazy parents who have lazy kids. And then their kids do less and they become fatter because the food intake either stays the same or goes way up. That goes into adulthood and the lazy kid gets a lazy job. Um, And the lazy kid who now has a lazy job and still eats a considerable amount, he might be a, he or she might be a great person, doesn't matter, but their body type is going to suffer from the surrounding lazy life that they've built. And so, and it's not even physical energy, I don't think. It could be mental energy. You can build calories probably reading a book. Perhaps because the book may create like an emotional response. Yeah. And your heart beat may beat a little faster, etc. Absolutely. Yeah. Even watching TV, maybe you can burn calories. Yeah. We're playing video games these days. You can burn some calories. Oh, yeah, with the VR headset? <laughs> So I went to an arcade a couple of weeks ago. Um, oh, nice! And uh, been a while since I'd been to one, but there is a—I don't know if you ever seen this Hungry Hungry Hippos game, and it's sort of like a uh, a larger adult version of it, you know, where you kind of sit on this hippo and you have this handlebars in front of you, and basically as you pull them back and forth, the hippo's head is opening. Wait a second, you—I'm visualizing this. Uh huh. Does your girlfriend have pictures? I don't know if she got pictures or not. Oh, okay. But um, well, we only had one picture of you in marriage, and it was in a Care Bear costume. So I would love to for this to be the new like default picture. You on the hungry, hungry hippo arcade. I can probably go back, and we can make it happen again because it's a fun game. But you know, it lasts like a minute as you're trying to grab all the the balls that you can with your hippo. But you're, I mean, it's like it's physical. You're like. (laughs) Holy shit. I don't know if I can play this game again. There were several games like that. You know, it's like, um, there's a, you know, basketball game that was pretty Sure, the hoop crazy with like 60 seconds to go and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Air hockey, of course, turned out to be pretty exerting. Of course. Going to the arcade and having a a blast can burn calories. Yeah. As long as you stay away from the full-size pizza that the arcade offers. Yeah. Yeah, we did. And I had a little bit of ice cream. I'm saying like a Chuck E. Cheese, for example, is yeah. 
is like really a even Stevens thing. Like that's your kid, true. Your kid's gonna come and run around and jump in the ball pit, but we're also gonna give him disgusting food and uh, <laughs> all of the hard work and effort that you put in uh, physically will be worn away very quickly with the pizza. Perhaps uh, we gotta. We've just gotta develop. I don't understand why we develop ultra processed foods anymore, or why we put them out in a world where you can cheaply put out healthy food i feel like it's got to be dying out i I think so i think it will the frozen Um, dinner era for example does it go out whenever we have a 3d printer that can print a meal for us well we've hypothesized that i think it goes out when fast food becomes healthier because the the idea of we still have a pretty active lifestyle for a lot of us right yeah we're like um not necessarily time in the day to spend an hour cooking dinner right right so there's still going to be this necessity for food that you can get quickly Quickly. Mm -hmm. um but like DoorDash's uber eats is now in existence they weren't obviously 10 15 years ago and there's just a a plethora of slightly above fast food places places like uh raising canes chipotle um qdoba freebirds all these places where you can get your you know trendy burrito or whatever it is your bowl your salad they're salad and goes now those places are great by the way um they're God, the they're orange salad and go are. salad and go is not expensive it's cheap they're six dollars for giant salads oh are they yeah big salads you should they're all over the place. You should give salad and go a shot. They're bright orange and green. And I, said, I, I actually thought of you when I was at salad to go. I said, Morgan would love this place because it's like a side salad guy from Jack in the Box Wendy's Days dream place. <laughs> it's like a side salad on crack, basically. It is the best side salad you'll ever have, but it's a big side salad. And it's got all the good side salad stuff. There's one in my old neighborhood that's not good. Yes. So I think uh, that's as the, close to me. Let's see. The proliferation of healthier fast food establishments that are more convenient, that deliver to your home, it'll just, how does the person find it more convenient stopping at the grocery store, going to the frozen food aisle, getting a box, and then microwaving it, then calling somebody or pressing buttons on their phone to have them deliver food. Yeah. I mean, it takes you six minutes to heat up a hungry man meal. It takes you seven minutes to get Chipotle delivered. Yeah. But I mean, the, the, the thing about the frozen dinner is, um, it costs a buck. (laughs) A buck 99. I know, but I mean, it's super cheap, right? Um, Some of these places will run you five to six dollars for a single person, like the fast fast food places. Like you could. Well, now fast food's starting to. Well, because of everything. Well, even twenty McNuggets is healthier than a hungry man meal. Yeah. So, like twenty nuggets will get you by, and that costs two ninety nine. You can have it delivered at your house. So. I, I'm just um, I'm trying to draw up the situations where the lazy 
uh, overweight, non-changing person is interested in grocery store runs over having something brought to them. And there's not many situations. I mean, the frozen food market's just done, I guess, for the most part. And cereals soon after, because kids are skipping breakfast left and right. Schools could be responsible for capitulating. Yeah, I, I don't always eat there. breakfast. It's um. My daughter's school. Some, offers sometimes breakfast. I'm hungry, like between ten and eleven in the mornings, and I might call that breakfast. But if I eat then, a lot of times I don't eat lunch. Or if I eat lunch, it's later in the day, like four or five o'clock. Um. <clears throat> I think schools should offer every elementary school should offer free breakfast for children a free hot breakfast not continental hotel style yeah the problem is like in those institution type things like that is uh they get like they don't even get real real eggs or real milk necessarily it's they they, they go with the like cheapest of the cheap cisco or whatever trash company is willing to mass produce but at what point do we look at the funding that schools get and say they Why, should be yeah. putting more towards health education over the football stadium, maybe? Well, the football stadium may Brings be what pays for yeah a lot of things. Yes, but it can pay for more than just that. Well, in our state, with as much property tax as they charge us, yeah, um, it's a little disappointing that you know a school menu is not better than what it was. I don't know what it's like right now. You know, we may actually—I'm familiar with someone in the school system that may be able to talk to us at some point about. Will we have to buy a voice box modulator. I don't think so. So I can ask them like real intense questions. I think so. I think we can do that. Oh. We may be able to do a trial run in a couple of weeks because there might be a game night in which that person is hosting. Oh, cool. And, uh, you guys would be invited. Absolutely. Oh, cool. If we need a voice modulator, I found a Optimus Prime mask that <laughs> goes over your head and you press a button and then you sound like Optimus Prime. Uh, okay. So I just need to get batteries. But all of our guests that don't want their voice to be heard can basically sound like optimus prime on the show so that's kind of the that'd coolest, be interesting yeah. the coolest thing that any guest on any podcast has been offered looks like we have more than fan. weed no cereal companies are struggling man i'm reading this article right now from yesterday that yeah. Kel- kellogg's um the water cereal did you read about uh-uh. that so you know those little bowls that they're trying to sell for like a dollar 99 in grocery stores or yeah. like one serving cereals well now they make uh those where it says just add cold water and stir. And it'll create the, the milk. milk. Nice powdered milk in there, uh-huh. I guess. Interesting. So, yeah, I guess there's a milk shortage. Yeah. Well, I, oh, I stopped eating cereal, so I can imagine that they are really struggling now to fill my void. I like I it. Ate, I ate a ton of cereal. Do you ever stop and think, though, that like you're responsible like your involvement in something is responsible for the proliferation of it. Yeah. Yeah. So you stopping to eat cereal. What if in like six months, the cereal industry tanks? That's okay. And that's, that's on you, bro. That's I've good. I've moved on. That, 
that's good. That's how people should feel. Well, I just also I still crave and have some cereal, but not 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 as much. I used to eat a bowl of cereal every day for a long time. Sometimes it was healthy, raisin bran crunch or something along those lines. Terribly unhealthy. That's not really that unhealthy. If I scanned it with my Yucca app, it would get a big Yucca. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, that's so, another thing. Um, yucca. I'll talk more about so, it. So, you know, that's interesting. Uh, there was a breakfast item that we had uh, in Colorado, and um, it, they called it the breakfast banana split, and it was banana with uh, yogurt and granola, and there was something else somewhat healthy in there. And you're, li- you're thinking, uh, you know, you look at the how many calories it is and all that and the fat, and it's super freaking healthy. And, God, it tastes so good. Hmm. Um, yeah, so if you're ever up that so way. So healthy food can taste good. Yes, it can. And it tastes very dessert-like, very sweet. Well, we've had enough time in the last 20 years to know that healthy food can taste horrible. So I don't see why the progress... Uh, wouldn't be at this point in the century to healthy food that tastes good. And does that change people's mentality about everything? You remember the impossible burger like three or four years ago that uh, didn't taste so great and plant-based burgers that didn't taste so great. I haven't had any since, um, but I would imagine they probably taste improved. Yeah. Here, let me, um, it, so it's fresh bananas with vanilla yogurts, blueberries, and granola. Well, thank goodness it's fresh bananas. And yeah, right. And that's the uh, if you're ever in Glenwood Springs, Colorado, <laughs> the 19th Street. If you're ever diner. driving from Vail to Grand Junction by chance, and the one <laughs> the one stop Morgan wants you to make is at this place. Oh, it's good. And my niece works there, so oh. support it. Well, yeah, of course. Hmm. Well. Yeah. So there's all that stuff, but I'm glad you're eating healthy. <laughs> Trying to eat healthier. I think I've gained back about, I don't know, seven, eight pounds over the last month and a half. Haven't we all? You want to know what my diet consists of t- these days? Mm. Whole wheat tortillas, grapes, and mini wontons from the frozen food section. <laughs> that, the mini wontons are healthy? Now. Question mark? Right. I had the same question mark, and this is where I'll introduce my shameless plug of this episode. And you know what? Prospective sponsor of this episode as well. We'll, we'll have plenty of prospective sponsors, I'm sure, this year as we get more PC and more appropriate for sponsorships. So I downloaded the Yucca app. It's spelled Y-U-K-A. It's pretty cool. Um, it is... I'm a reseller online and I go around and I scan some items that I don't know much about and I understand a little bit more about them and it helps me know the product that I am representing and trying to uh, sell to folks and not just, you know, try to sell it. So I like getting to know stuff like that. I liked reading the back of baseball cards and I like reading the back of food products. So Yucca is the app that pretty much reads the back of the food product for you, and it gives it a grade from zero to 100, and it color codes it from bad to good or bad to excellent. 
But beyond that, it shows you why it's bad. It shows you why it's good. So if we scan, for example, um, well, I don't have my phone here. I won't be able to live demo. That's terrible. But if we scan the Bang Energy Drink, for example, it would probably give you a 30 to a 40, and it would say fair, or it would say not so good. But because of that, it, um, or beyond that, it would tell you that it's good because of the B energy, or it's good because of the low calorie content. It's bad because of these additives. It's, uh, it's terrible because of these. So when I scan, long story short, the mini wontons and saw 68 or 69 out of 100, I was impressed by this frozen food <laughs> option. And here's a guy who's very judgmental about, I just got off a 20 minute discussion about how bad frozen foods could be or frozen meals and microwavable meals. But I scan these things and it's like, yeah, it's pork, it's vegetables, and there's a little bit of dough. So it's not um, the worst that it can be. So I couldn't recommend the Yucca app enough for people who, A, like scanning stuff, B, <laughs> want like an elementary style breakdown of the stuff they're eating. The first thing I did was scan everything in my kitchen um, and my mom's place as well. And I just started walking around saying, Hey, look at this. This is terrible. Man, that uh, thing has a lot of carbs. What? The mini wontons. Oh, the mini wontons? No, it's not so bad. 31 grams? That's a lot, bro. Don't threaten my mini wontons or take them away from me. I, okay. Those things have become a big part of my life. As well. <laughs> They're so, they are, okay. How do you, how do you prepare them? Uh, microwave? In, in a microwave, yeah. Okay. Was in a Chef well, Mike. Hey, everybody's got their secrets. And my girlfriend and I found a book from like 1975, maybe <laughs> that maybe it was the 80s, like 81, that talks about top secret methods of microwaving your food to making it taste much better almost instantly. So here, let me share one of the secrets. With small little bite-sized items that go in the microwave, when you put them on a plate, if you put them in a con in the contour of the plate as opposed to like smack dab in the middle, the heat dispersion is immaculate and it's perfect. So 10 of these mini wontons on a plate and you circle it around the mm -hmm. plate sure. with no space in the middle and those things come out tasting like you went to the Chinese restaurant <laughs> I just got some wontons served up to you. They're really good. Um, I haven't tested it out with anything else because I don't need anything else from the microwave. Gotcha. But yeah, mini wontons are... Mini wonton. Where it's at right now for me. My third food group. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's grains, fruits, and mini wontons. And mini wontons. Okay. Yeah. Understood. So, I mean... Have I regressed a little bit, uh, dietarily speaking? I think so. Um, a year ago to the to the day, I think, when I look at my Facebook memories, uh, I was fasting, so I wasn't eating anything at all. Now, some people would argue that I've improved my dietary habits and that not eating anything and just drinking water isn't healthy, but I don't know. I think everybody in their life should fast for at least like eight hours. Well, you do when you sleep, right? That's true. Yep. <laughs> you got me on that one, Morgan. 
I mean fasting actively, which oh. is like in your waking life. Um, yeah. And they should do it voluntarily, not like, I was on a flight from San Francisco to Paris and all the food was terrible. Yeah, I don't, like, I'm kind of a two meal a day person, really. Yeah. I'd rather eat two decent sized meals versus three smaller or two decent and a smaller. I, I would rather, and that, that fits my schedule more if I'm, if I even... If I get hungry in the morning, it's usually between 10 and 11, like I said. And then I, I can have a, a lunch or a breakfast at that point and then not not eat again until dinner. I won't be hungry until dinner. Don't you think uh, that's on par with like what you were saying earlier about progress towards a four-day work week? Don't you feel like a two-meal day is kind of inevitable? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think for most people, it could be. And, and then I, I'm not a... I like to snack, but I don't usually eat snacks during the day. Mm. I might eat snacks during the evening. I used to eat a lot of snacks playing video games, and I don't play a whole lot of video games anymore. Burning a lot of energy. Um, well, or just sitting right there, and I can just reach my hand in the bag every <laughs> few minutes and grab some pretzels or chips or something. That's true. And I'm not, when I don't, when I sit down to watch TV, I don't have the same inkling. Like, I don't. But you um, know. Tap into it with me because theaters and movie going makes the same case. Like people will become snackish when their brains are hot wired to a screen. Like when there's something displaying on a screen that is of entertainment and gets your brain concentrated on it and you're honed in, all of a sudden you might be burning <clears throat> energy. You might be using your brain to a capacity of which you don't really recognize. That's, I guess there's some truth to that. And then all of a sudden you become snackish because 30 minutes in, you're done with a large popcorn and ready for a refill. Yay, refill. Must have been a good movie. Yeah, doubt it. Like a Matrix. Oh my God, Matrix. Well, think about it. Did you go see a movie recently? No, no, okay. not yet. Yeah, I'm down to like three been, movies a yeah. year. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be up to like three movies oh, a I year. Bet. I, <laughs> I mean, I do go see movies with my daughter or try to actively, but they come out so quickly on a streaming platform these days. It's not worth it. True. And this uh, is a dream scenario. When I was a kid, going to the theaters and having to wait four, five, six months sometimes. Shoot, in some cases in the 90s, it was like a year that you'd have to wait for a movie to be released, or maybe at least eight Yeah, to, to go months. to video or whatever. Yeah, because they were making so much money, and the processing of translate or converting it to a VHS film and mass producing it took so long as compared to burning it to a disc or uh, putting it on a platform. Basically, just pressing the upload button is what you're right. down to now. So, um, yeah, going to the theaters... It's still a fun experience. Uh, Miguel won me over on that. Yep. Going to certain theaters and reclining and enjoying the previews and all that. Yeah. The experience is still worth it. And and seeing certain films in that big screen environment. Still worth it. It's well worth it. What's not worth it anymore? What experiences wouldn't you be like sad seeing go away? That I wouldn't be sad seeing. Yeah, what what would you not be sad about? Like, 
renovating the entire infrastructure of human existence in the next like year or two. Never having to put gas in my car again would be beautiful. <laughs> well, that's that's fair. <laughs> Maybe we get there in like eight to ten years, but um, well, that's up to you, isn't it? You can buy an electric vehicle today. Uh, you can sort of. Uh, this the range is limited, right? Yeah, but the battery uh, hookup places are everywhere. You just got to be a Kohl's shopper or a Target shopper. Uh, it's starting nice to become more and more, definitely. Why wouldn't, is it because of competitiveness? Why wouldn't a gas station offer like one one energy pump somewhere? Uh, probably because of the time you'd have to oh, take to true. charge the car. That's fair. Ah, uh, yeah, that's why it's in retail places. So like a, a road trip is going to be really hard in an electric car. You're going to really have to plan out how far you're going, where you're going, where you're yeah, that, That's where the gas car, I mean, has the huge advantage, right? I, I love road trips. You can just, you can drive 18 hours in a day if you needed to or want to. You can rotate drivers and never stop driving. Um, but with electric cars, it's not going to, it's not going to be that way unless they start to get much larger range out of their existing battery power. I was the only driver for the big road trip I went on with my parents and my girlfriend. Yeah, yeah all four of us in a, in a Grand Cherokee. And I drove 11-hour uh, legs for six days. I was the sole driver. I enjoyed every second of it. It was cool. Yeah, I did all the driving on this last trip and enjoyed that, too, yeah. quite a bit. Driving's fun. Yes, it is. I've never driven an electric vehicle. So I don't know how, I don't know how. you never driven a golf cart? <laughs> I have driven a golf cart. You've That's a terrible connotation vehicle. for electric vehicles. Yeah, they're <laughs> like the golf carts of vehicles. They kind of look like them too. The ones Some they of have them right do. now. I mean, I've seen so many Teslas on the road in the oh. last six months. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so I bought stock. Oh, good for you. Yeah. I always liked, um, there was a Chevrolet car that I liked. The, the Volt. Volt. Yeah, I always it's thought the Volt tiny, was okay. Is it? It's not a big car. It's not a big car, but as far as electric is concerned, it, it always looked interesting at the very least. But, um, yeah, I see, uh, I see the chargers at retail places, and that makes sense because it takes, what, 45 minutes or so to charge one of those things all the way? Yeah. Yeah. So like definitely having it at a shopping place. I mean, well, it benefits the shopping place too, right? Like if you just have to go somewhere to, to charge your car while it's charging, you'll want something to do. So if these places offer it, you'll go into their store. Maybe you weren't even planning on going into the store. Because the charge is free? <clears throat> yeah. So yeah. the And then you might feel obligated to buy something while you're there because they're allowing you to charge up. Well, now, wait a second. Let's talk about that. <laughs> okay. So when you go into uh, a food place, isn't that on par with like tipping? Kind of. Like if I have a server and if I spend 45 minutes or I would say 20 minutes or more at a food establishment, then leaving a tip seems like it's very sensible. But if you walk into like a slightly above fast food place and a cashier rings you up and it takes three minutes to get your food, but a screen pops up saying tip, tip. 20%. Yeah. Eh. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's well, like I know you're not I'm not in that I'm not tipping in that situation. Yeah. At all. Because the tip generally doesn't go to the cooking staff. It will go to the front end, or maybe it's split amongst all of them. I don't know the logistics of it. But if it's going to the person who's pressing buttons taking my order, no. I kind of agree with you. That's on that. that's a job that uh, anybody could do. The robot, bring the robot in. I'll never tip a robot. Why would right. you tip a robot? What's it yeah. going to go to? I need this money for my kids. <laughs> the little robot. This, please, sir. I want to for upgrade. the new circuitry. I want to upgrade to a C battery. Yeah, an upgrade. Those are the big batteries. We don't need those anymore. Big batteries? The C batteries? You remember the ones you'd put in the back of like... Are they Ds? D's, C's are big too, but the Ds are the really big round ones. Oh, so it's like breast size. Yes. Okay. It is like battery sizes and breast size. Double A's? Yeah, that's true. Triple A is smaller than double A. That's true. Right? Fascinating. So what came first, the bra or the battery? (laughs) They probably came out at the same time. Well, I don't know. There's some ancient batteries, right? That they found, like, That's uh, true. Mesopotamia or something. What? This is new to me. No, no. It's not new. Uh, it's been out there for a while. It's like, um, well, it's theorized, like, it's on some of the hieroglyphics inside, uh, Egyptian hieroglyphics on their things, where it's like this light tube. And the theory is that the light tube is... Uh, like chemicals that are being mixed oh. in, in the base of it, like a battery. Oh, uh, th- are you referring to the Baghdad battery? Yeah. The name of a given set of three artifacts which were found together, a pot, a tube of copper, and a rod of iron discovered yeah. in uh, Iraq in 1936. Yeah. Well, that explains why we went to war with them. Yeah, we needed to get that. It was, <laughs> it was all about that battery. Holy cow. Um. Wow, that's fascinating. Learn something new every day when you're hosting a podcast with somebody addicted to the Discovery History Channel trifecta of uh, programming. I I love that you love those shows because you come on here with an angle of uh, historical accuracy that I cannot provide. I'm more of a <laughs> I'm more of a real time kind of guy to where I don't want history books to ever get anything wrong and as long as i'm alive like i I feel like i could be an authority on what actually happened versus what they say happened yeah yeah you know yeah like i have a it's the spectrum that we talk about like the full understanding of the spectrum something like covid i feel three years after or three years at yeah three years after the um, start of it all you kind of have built the spectrum over it's it's a closed open and shut case now it's open and shut don't listen to the people say hey you need your seventh booster this is all stuff that we discussed two and a half three years ago mm, i might need my next booster <laughs> i'm an old man oh jeez uh, you're just a year later oh. than uh you were yeah you never got covid to no. your knowledge no Good for you, man. I mean, I guess technically when you get vaccinated, it's introducing COVID to your body. That's true. You did get it. No, I I didn't call catch it necessarily. Well, cool. (laughs) I'm glad you didn't get COVID, buddy. 
Yeah, you bet. Um, we're looking for shorter time frames this year too, right? Like uh, three hour episodes. I mean, they're fun. They're great. We get into you a know, lot of stuff. I, I was. Uh, but if the, we don't shorten it, then our, so many of our listeners, at least the ones that I'm familiar with, don't mind the three hours. And I thought, well, maybe we need to shorten it up. But if we're not shortening it up, we're gonna have to do more episodes. I think. Well, I like shortening it up and doing more episodes right. because. I'm not saying everybody should do this. Who am I to say? I'm just 50% of the show itself. But I listen to this program in like four minute increments. But you're the only one who does that. No, no, not per episode. Uh. I listen to about an hour and a half worth of content. I go from random episode to random episode. (laughs) I listen to segments in all of the episodes that we've had. Now, if I feel like continuity and if I feel like engaging in the entire process of the episode and listening to it, which I do the first listen, um, then I'll go start to finish. And it's always an enjoyable experience. But I've listened to each of our episodes fully all the way through. And now on my second, third, fourth, and fifth listens, I don't listen to the entire episodes all the way through. I listen to segments here. Like when I'm introducing people that have scatterbrain for example or i know they have short attention spans or i know that they are social on social media a lot and they like their content in blurts then i listen to like watch i'll go 30 seconds here then i'll scroll and i'll go to a different show (laughs) and i'll be like play that 30 seconds and they're always entertained or at least to my knowledge they're entertained by what they're hearing i'm like this is pretty much our show it's a bunch of micro bursts of valuable information <laughs> that you should administer into your life and be a changed person after three minutes of listening to right three minutes just start from episode like 19 on that's when we got the good equipment yeah i've, I've recently <laughs> gone back and listened to a few episodes the early ones the hallway episodes uh, no probably the later episodes some probably some in the 50s some in the 70s and maybe some of the 80s cause... oh so definitely pre pre-divorce sasha and pre-divorce morgan for that matter yeah happy wife happy life morgan yeah oh that guy yeah. that guy who was faking it <laughs> <laughs> and i had to sit here and listen to you faking it yeah that's, anyway. that's why my marriage failed going back and listening to some of it though would be some sort of be sort of head. I'm I'm letting it go. <laughs> Made me sort of angry at times. I'm like, God damn it! I need Sasha to not do that anymore. To understand this, fair enough. Find myself in the middle of of getting getting riled up again over some topic we were talking about. You're a new person. Uh, it's gonna take me a lot of. It's going to take a lot of ammo to get you fired up this season. No, I I mean, I'll still get fired up, but I'm probably less likely to be fired up. No, I mean, it's going to take me... um, There's going to have to be interesting topics for us to still have that point where we disagree in uh, a very headbutt-ish style of uh, disagreement. I'm like that with most people now. Like... I can be open-minded enough to hearing someone's take on something. Well, for starters, I don't think I'll engage in a conversation with anyone who isn't 
ready to engage in a like meaningful conversation anymore. Like I don't think that situation will present itself. <laughs> but at the same time, I look at all of the engagements that I have with people as meaningful now. So it's like if if I see my family members, for example, or my brother, I know we may not talk, but when we do talk, it'll be something worth talking about or it'll be a discussion worth having. And again, going back to what I was suggesting earlier on in the episode, if once you're aware that you're responsible for how the flow of things and, and the process of not only the conversation, but actions in life and situations in life uh, pan out, then if you shoulder that, that responsibility, then it's up to you to ensure that things come out as best as they can for everyone involved if you have the ability to put the best foot forward. So long story short, um, the only reason we would maybe like, and this may not be good for ratings. Oh man, we might lose five people. (laughs) (laughs) That's like 10% of our audience. That's a lot of people. No, but um, if we clash on a topic, it's going to be because it's clash worthy. It's not going to be for the sake of, in, from my perspective, I'm not going to good cop, bad cop stuff for the sake of like uh, entertainment. This might be where we clash then. <laughs> because you might, you might just disagree with me to disagree with. You might still be there, Morgan. The oh, cynic, yeah. That cynical Morgan the is cynic still from here. Yesteryear. Yeah. I'm the queen here. is dead, but Morgan is not. <laughs> too soon too soon she just died today that's funny she did I know she did thanks for dating the episode I'll take this out <laughs> come on I've stared at that lady on Canadian currency for like 30 years well wonderful uh, the longest tenured Ruler? No, she's a sweet old lady. Yeah. Like everybody's granny, right? Yeah, she was awesome. Horse owner. Why was she awesome? In the thoroughbred industry. Oh, horses, race horses. Yeah. So everybody like attaches like some aspect of her personality and says, this is why she's sweet. Yeah, sometimes. It's what we do with celebrities, right? Yeah. Yeah. For better or worse. Why don't Mm. we do it with everyday people? Do we not get to know everyday folks as much as we do celebrities? And that's why? Probably. Like, you don't have access to um, the USPS clerk's life like you do Johnny Depp. True. And like, man, if a woman shit on my bed, I'd be pissed too. And you'd have to ignore (laughs) social media stuff as well. Yeah. Right? Like, Amber Heard pooped on his bed. Yeah. We missed that in our three-month off yeah. time. Thank goodness. That was such a weird thing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, I don't know. I've never even had a cat shit on the bed. <laughs> and and I have a cat that poops in like 12 different places in the house. But the bed has never been, well, she can't get up on the bed. That's why. Mm. Solved your own riddle there, Sash. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, so what else is new, Morgan? Where where are we going this year? What, what would you like to 
what would you like meandering season four to be? I what don't do you know. think it can be? Continuation on what we're already Continuation building. Continuation on what we're building. How boring is that? Uh, Let's knock it all down and build it back up again, taller than it ever was. Sure. Like the Romans, the Greeks, all the greatest civilizations. They've all just copied off one another and built it bigger, not necessarily better. That's what season four is. Bigger, but not necessarily better. I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. It's going to be great. Um, I think at this point in our podcasting, I don't rely as much on the external world as I used to to provide me with talking points. Um, and I think that's a healthy thing, but at the same time, I think that being able to keep tabs from an observer perspective on where things are going with the outside world is really crucial to this style of conversation because I do want to see progress. And if I know that that starts with me, then that's fine. But I don't want it to end with me. I do want to see progress in your life. I want to see progress in our listeners' lives. I want to see progress in the lives that they're surrounded with. And in order once you talk about that sort of stuff and like, what am I able to see outside of my peripheral vision? Then it has to rely on well, what I deem the meandering effect or the effect of having an effect. The meandering effect. You know, I used to think it was only our conversations that we would engage in. And then next thing you know, you look down and you go, holy crap, four hours have gone by. That's not like that anymore, huh? It's all conversations that you might be involved in. Yeah. Good ones. Specifics to certain people sometimes where it's just like you, you think can 30 minutes train. have gone by yeah, and it's been two hours and you're just like, wow. Like time stops for us, <laughs> but the rest of the world is still going. Press play, stop time. Yeah. But you know the sad realization that I just had? About mm. that is because maybe two or three years ago, buddy, you and I were the only two people that each other was able to have these types of conversations with. Well, I think there's truth to that. Absolutely. And so the outlet that this program provided for you and I allowed us to access the realm of life of which we're currently living in yeah. as far as not only attracting a better life for ourselves, but enhancing and improving the world around us as well um as far as our relationships with friends family um and yeah the bittersweet pill that a lot of people have to realize about something like that is that you do have to it's not possible always to bring you've told me this to bring up what is down yeah sometimes what is down has to bring itself up 
in order to know that there is an up and growth to be had. That's true. That's not very poetic, but but that's I mean, self awareness has to be in place in order for growth to exist. Otherwise, if you're not self aware, you won't recognize the growth. Like you won't see the micro growth that you have if you're not aware that you have an impact on your state of existence. Well, not everybody cares about stuff like that either. Mm, okay. Oh, wait a second. Let me get Zenny Sasha season three continuation of things, right? So let me continue on my path of, uh, of Zen. So if life is a river and the current is carrying you, I heard this recently in a, in a Zen monologue and life, life is the river that's carrying Mm -hmm. you and you're just on the river floating. Swimming against the current does nothing for you. Yeah. So those people that don't care about those sorts of things, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, those sorts of things still are the current that's going to carry you through life. It's more like, yeah, I don't, I don't know that that really works out for what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, I, I think there are a lot of people who just go with the flow of the river without seeing the things that are going on around them okay um life is sort of passing them by because they've kind of got their head stuck in the sand um they have an idea of what their life should be and what how other people should be in their life and then when they're struck with reality uh, they don't change they just keep going down the river there are people like that they're non-listeners of me maybe yeah they are (laughs) yeah yeah, I, I mean, can, if we I can confirm that, if we scientifically break it down, everybody who's not listening to meandering is Although probably the, the moment I start talking about certain things, all of a sudden, you know, there'll be somebody listening that I didn't think listened. Well, I've been thinking about methods of which I would be comfortable with marketing the show moving forward to marketing. No, to individuals. Um, or to small groups, not to a billboard, not to big amount, large amounts of people. Why not? Billboard. Uh, not yet. Like, bro, I'm making some extra coin right now. <laughs> micro changes, how much, Morgan. How much does a billboard cost? Oh my God. This guy wins a couple of horse races and he wants a billboard. <laughs> Holy Toledo. I mean, aren't you interested? I mean, aren't you interested in that equestrian pillow down into your left? I'll sell it to you for yeah, that's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. <laughs> it's a thousand dollar pillow. That is not a thousand dollar pillow. No, it just sold for like thirty nine dollars. You sold that? I did. I sold it overnight for forty. It's double sided. Nice. It's double sided. I'm gonna take a picture of it. That's gonna be our uh, cover art for the episode. So you are in the pillow selling business Bro, now. Okay, I am I gotcha. in the pillow selling business. And the best part of being in the pillow business is you get to demo the pillows before they sell, too. <laughs> you get to sit on the couch with them. You get to, like, make sure they feel good between, like, your legs, elbows, while driving, pooping. All the, I don't demo pillows while pooping. You couldn't, really. 
unless the pillow had a hole in it. <laughs> God. No. Nah. Anyways, um, no, I was not. Oh yeah, marketing. So the the area I'd be comfortable with marketing this, or the idea that I have where hey, I'd be comfortable. You know, a billboard is not as much as I thought it might be. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> We could be right behind the like. Uh, are you low on uh, ball sack fluid? Have you seen that billboard hey, on on the tollway? Uh, uh, There's a ball sack uh, billboard on the Dallas North tollway. I hadn't seen low that. on sperm. Give us a call. Or, oh, nice. Yeah, no. Uh, digital bulletins are only twenty five hundred a month. That's not a billboard. Yeah, no, digital a, billboard instead of having yeah on a banner on a website. No, no. No, oh, this they is mean an actual real life digital billboard. Digital billboard next to a highway. How much? Twenty five hundred a month. A month. That's that's a little much. That's like um. Six I, I mean, if we if we wanted to go, what month do we want to do this? We could sure. do this for a month. Yeah, we could. <laughs> Confuse the entire city. That's true. <laughs> Break the matrix. Yeah, just say something dumb on there. Just pull a quote from one of our many shows. Oh, or one of our many segments. Yeah, just press play. Yeah, just press play stop time. time. Oh, we could do that. Or we could insult the people. A lot of wrestlers do good insulting the crowd. Like, you bunch of fat slobs in Buffalo, New York. <laughs> Josh <laughs> Allen sucks. <laughs> Actually, one of my favorite wrestlers did use that exact line in Buffalo. Oh, yeah. Yesterday, Josh Allen sucks. You're still watching wrestling. I'm, nice. No, interesting. I'm watching um, the shortened versions of the show. So it's like Red Zone for wrestling. Okay. Yeah. All right. And that's why I listened to this program. In I think versions. anything that shortens something is something you're into. Let me think about the depths of that statement. Maybe not with a book, but I don't know. Cliff Notes may be the way to go for you. So, Olivia and I have tried watching... Yeah, like, if somebody came up with an three app... Three movies that, at home in the last month, and you're not wrong. We're at the hour mark in, like, all three. <laughs> I don't fair. get it, man. I don't get it. Well, one of them we had to turn off because... It was too frightening. Oh my gosh! The second too I, frightening. Yeah, it was pretty intense. It's the autopsy of Jane Doe. It's a frightening. That is movie. not frightening. Have you seen that movie? Yes, I have. It's pretty. It, it's good. It's good. It's a good one. It is. It is a little. It's scary. Well, also, like when it. you watch movies with someone who um, is actively trying to determine the ending, actively, I do it too. But actively watching with the intent of vocalizing the ending. I enjoy it. But as soon as she figures it out, I'm like, well, I'm turning this off <laughs> because I don't, Why? because I don't want her to know she was right. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm kidding. I, I just, really. I just wanted to, yeah, <laughs> that's what the drivers on the tollway would be doing. If they saw our billboard, they'd be flicking, flipping it off. Some guy in a Tesla flipped me off the other day. No reason. Because I didn't take my right turn fast enough. Mm. Yeah. 
And yeah, I can understand being upset about that. Market <laughs> uh, marketing. I legitimately think that if you listen to our episodes, let's say for three or four shows, and you give it three or four shows, so that's twelve hours of content. Pick any four; doesn't matter. That you're a better person on the outside. Uh, on the uh, well, hopefully, what we've done is provoked something in you. One way right. or another. Yeah, maybe the way you look at something, maybe the way you approach a problem, maybe the way you disagree see with your people family or disagree. Or hear opinions. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Sure. Or maybe you hate everything we say and you just like bitching at us. That's fine, too. But if people do that. <laughs> at least you're listening to a different perspective. Well, let's say this. So. Let's say there's a big situation or a big topic that we discuss, and you take a stance and I take a stance, and the listener disagrees with both of our stances. Then the listener has the freedom of sticking to their guns and applying their stance on a topic and seeing how it pans out. So like COVID, for example, um, way back, I'll use COVID as the litmus test for this example. You can take my stance on things from the onset and you could you know, develop a more um, uh, critical, not hypochondriac, but a more <laughs> a more observant, like sort of extreme stance on it. Okay, extreme. Or you can take the passive approach. Now, at the early onset. So we set up the extremes for COVID, right? And if somebody was in the middle right from jump and didn't care, all of a sudden, it was inevitable over time that they would have to lean one way or the other. Yeah. So a lot of topics are like that. And a lot of topics have that spectrum of covering the passive all the way to the hyper-attentiveness of the topic. You see the same thing with like hobbies and video games. There's people or uh, any hobbies like video gaming, movie collecting, toy collecting, whatever it is. You've got people who could give a shit about uh, Barbie dolls, but then you've got the same people who care a lot about another sort of topic sure. or another sort of hobby. <laughs> now, Barbies and video games aren't necessarily going to change the fabric of reality for everyone. Topics that are accessible to the mass majority need to be discussed and need to have these established extremes beyond the political realm so that they can be established and moved on from like we moved on from COVID. Right. <laughs> because I feel as if we ran the gamut of all things that people could, we saw some crazy shit in the last three years when it came to that stuff, crazy, weird, ideas, philosophies, ideologies sprout up from your next door neighbor, from people in your family, things you never thought you would hear people say about this large topic that you would think everybody should have a reasonable approach to at a certain point in time when they hear of large amounts of people dying from something. But even to this day, you still have your uh, folks who detractors I, yeah. yeah i don't want to label them conspiracy theories because i think they give conspiracy theorists a bad name they're more of like um uh, i delusional <laughs> now i i know that 
the antiquated look at a conspiracy theory would label a conspiracy theorist delusional, but uh, that's not what it is anymore. That's not who conspiracy theorists are anymore, in my opinion. They're more people that are uh, bucking the idea that's projected by media outlets well, and uh, newspapers. But, conspiracy theories are fun, right? Like, well, it, yeah. it can be fun. Maybe you look at it a slightly different way. I just uh, when we were going uh, going on our trip, I made it a point um, to teach my girlfriend about the conspiracies of the Denver airport. Oh, underground? The underground, the Illuminati, um, the capstone from the, uh, that's there. Some of the paintings that were there. And interestingly, we couldn't find a couple of the murals that were, uh, normally on display. They weren't on display this time around. Uh, It might've been construction. They knew you were coming. They knew I was coming, but it was fun. Uh, watching her see some of these conspiracy theories and, and, and that are kind of out there. Sure. And then you get there and you kind of see some of the things that uh, the conspiracy theorists, you know, are using and you can kind of make a judgment that on your own, is it a conspiracy theory or, uh, is there legitimacy behind it? Um, yeah. that sort of thing. So that it's a lot of fun from that perspective. Yeah. Conspiracy theory is really just scientific theorizing about topics that aren't important enough for science to look at Well, in a lot of ways. Uh, well, people uh, Stapleton airport is not important enough for like a, a college to go and say, okay, do these, do these have a tie to Masonic uh, right. rituals and all that. Like nobody's going to send their college students to the airport, but somebody's like, still interested in the reality of the situation. No, no one stops and thinks, um, why do the Illuminati need a base? Yeah. Why? And if they need the a Rockies. base, why are they building it in Denver underneath the airport? Like, I don't know. It, it's interesting. Cause on one of the shows that we watched, uh, the conspiracy theorist guy was just so like, it's almost a mental illness to be that locked in on something that seems so like you're not, you're missing the whole point. <laughs> He's so locked in that the Illuminati are there and this is why, and you know, these people are dying that built the airport, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, cause they're always dying mysteriously cause they know something. Interesting. It, it, it's, it almost seems like a mental illness. Um, I think if anything is pushed to the extreme, then yeah, yeah. Um, you have a mental illness and or you have a physical illness. I think that's evidenced by everything that you can do in life and doing too much of it. If you drink too much alcohol, you have a physical illness and you also have, well, I mean, you're categorized as being alcoholic and alcoholism is a legitimate thing. If you smoke too many cigarettes, you have a cigarette addiction. If you go too far with your anger, you are a violent person and then you begin to um, be violent with other people and you probably have a mental illness. So, yeah, anybody who hones in on anything and pushes it all the way to the red on their on their uh, spectrum. Yeah. And that's another area of which I feel this program is extremely helpful. I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't believe every single (laughs) stance that I take on a topic because I do, but I believe that my ability to harness 
my extreme opinion or perspective on particular topics and to control it in in a somewhat calm presentation is something that people can learn from or not learn yeah learn or pull from so if you're not necessarily the best speaker or the best outlitter of all of these thoughts that you have about a particular thing like let's say the illuminati or let's say secret societies for example listening to us debate about a topic and you can go to other podcasts and listen to us debate about um the anunnaki and theories and all that yeah um that podcast is still around too uh Presenting it in a non-extreme way is pretty important because you can have an extreme perspective and not come off extreme. True. Like, there are ways for me to discuss secret societies in extreme ways and keep the same tone of voice and have you at least more engaged in the conversation. Because if I go... A million miles a minute, and I start bringing up blueprints of Denver International, <laughs> and I say this is where the human sacrifices were. Well, they do this with the Bohemian Grove a lot too, yeah, um, in California, which you know it's a legitimate thing. There are like meetings of rich and powerful elite people from different uh, factions and different companies across the world that meet. In Bohemian Grove, there's been the Rome, uh, the Club of Rome, which is a legitimate thing. That was around last century. Um, they would meet, and they were just carrying on traditions. I mean, they have manuscripts and documents, um, something like the, what's it called? Limitations of growth, limits to growth is what I think is, yeah, the limits to growth. Um from the Club of Rome, which was an establishment in the 20th century that deemed itself a secret society that would discuss some topics that they knew would be pertinent in the 20th, uh, late 20th century, early 21st century, they would essentially have meandering conversations about population growth and population control and hmm. things like that. And yeah, we've what, had that conversation. Right. And, wh and what sorts of things from um from like a large society with power and influence could be administered to curb things one way or another um and this is public facing this is not like you can wikipedia club of rome um they still exist i believe to this day and they still have these meetings so like it's at the end of the day it's just a bunch of people tackling important issues whether you do it in secret or you do it public facing the people that seem to be the real conspiracy theorists are people who the irrational conspiracy theorists are the ones who aren't open-minded enough maybe to the conversation that's being had yeah so like yeah so there's symbology at denver airport and so Masons maybe were involved in the creation of the architecture at Denver Airport. Beyond that, there 
I mean, Masons meet and they have discussions about their community and they discuss intimate topics in their community and they discuss on how they can be better influences in their community. And they do this in secret and they wear weird stuff and they have <laughs> altars and all that. Doesn't mean they're drinking, you know, children's blood in the basement and that uh, there's a sarcophagus of a giant alien at Denver International Airport <laughs> that levitates every 150 years. It, it doesn't mean any of that. But if you're closed off to all of the other stuff being possible, then odds are you'll be closed off to um, the reality of the situation. So, you know. I'm I'm still a 9/11 like could have been pre prevented kind of guy, um, but at the same time I now understand why 9/11 occurred, based on all of the things that weren't stopped. It's that snowball effect um, that we've hinted at in this episode and in handling situations and government entities and uh, political factions and just groups in general are potential victims of the same things that individuals are. If you don't tackle something before it becomes a problem, it becomes a bigger problem, which doesn't bode well for a lot of things, but um, like the way we handle debt in this country, for example, um, is very weird to me. It doesn't add up. I don't get why I get a, um, an instant email from the North Texas Toll Association for like owing them 88 cents, but we're like $40 trillion in debt in this country. And the 88 cents that I owe the NTTA is like imperative that I pay that or um, I won't be able to drive on tolls. <laughs> it's like, well... These people might be in over their heads on mortgage loans and business loans and all that, but you care about the... It seems like individuals are more readily preyed upon than groups and entities as far as money is concerned. I think groups and entities can get away with loans for stuff that individuals have to really struggle to get. That's just my, that's just a general statement, I guess. But it's like, if a, if a university needs funding for something, it's easier to them, it's easier for them to approach a bank than it is for someone who wants a house loan. Yeah, but universities make so much money, they're never, they are banks. <laughs> that's fair too. Um. <clears throat> Well, what do you think about conspiracy theories? Have you ever uh, been a conspiracy theorist in anything? Well, I think they're healthy in a lot of ways of uh, just taking a hard look at, at things that happen and hard evidence. The thing is, is uh, people get so caught into believing the theory, they'll just make connections that aren't really there. Um, because it fits their theory or their idea of what happened or ignore evidence. That's if you look at it, honestly, and evaluate it, you realize pretty quickly that, you know, this evidence, you know, disproves this conspiracy theory. It couldn't be this way. 
I think some, at, a, at a certain level, it's healthy because you're questioning, you're looking, you're investigating, and you generally drag a bunch of people into it, right? Just because you're, you're garnering attention uh, from other societies, everybody want to look in. Like, like every, I think everybody in the whole world talks about the Kennedy assassination, right? Uh, or at least from somebody who grew up in the Dallas area, it sure feels like everyone in the entire world has an opinion on who shot Kennedy and, and it was. so I think at a lot of levels it's um it's healthy builds tourism right um Roswell's a conspiracy right where did the aliens really crash land there um and and the town is essentially built an economy on the conspiracy mm-hmm. um so I, I you know it's interesting I think uh but for the most part I I think it it's a nice way to look at different at a controversial issue from different perspectives. But if you're, but for those people who just go hook, line, and sinker and believe so heavily and hard that they just ignore everything, it's it's uh, well, it's not healthy for that person, in my opinion. Or I I feel like it's misappropriated, and yeah, this ties into what you were just saying. Like they'll go in certain extreme directions, but. In in my opinion, there are a lot more accessible topics that deserve that style of approach versus something like a Kennedy assassination or Roswell. There are topics and discussions that can be had about real-time situations and real-time like goings-on or even the human condition that you can tap into and use the same formula that you would use for like something you heard on History Channel or something you read on a blog online, and you can apply it to something that is, while anecdotal, still something that you've at least experienced. So, like, you could conspiracy, you can use your conspiracy theory formula for, you know, why um, Walmart's no longer 24 hours. There's an example. I've tried it. I'm like, well, why would they do this during a pan- a pandemic to begin with? Staffing shortages, yeah, ability to clean the stores. But during a pandemic, consolidating hours verifiably would crunch the number of people and the intensification of groups of people during X hours. So Walmart used well, to be 24 hours. Then COVID hit and it was closed for a little bit. They reopened for like the local ones was what, uh, like 10 a.m. or 12 p.m. to like 8 at a certain point. Well, I think they opened up early because they had the early senior hour, right? Right. At like 7 a.m. or something. That's true. And so the heavily consolidated areas was a given at Walmart. And all of a sudden, if you wanted to do your grocery shopping or you wanted to go get something, you'd have to go there in these hours. But then my conspiracy brain says, oh, where were some of the first uh, vaccination sites across the United States on a mass rollout level. They were at Walmarts and they were in Walmart parking lots. So well, that's because they always have huge parking lots though. It's fair, but also Walmart was housing these, um, like they were in effect, they were renting their parking lots, to the U S government for, um, being able to, or the CDC for vaccinations. So if you go to Walmart and you see the bigger crowds and you know, you're going to keep going to Walmart, you're probably more likely to want a vaccination because you're going to be around people. And at the height of the pandemic, you're going to 
Anyway, I'll stop there because this is where I turn into the Stapleton Airport guy and I'm like, well, going back to quotes like Rahm, uh, Rahm Emanuel, former mayor of Chicago, Obama administration, he would say no crisis in the history of the United States has gone un, um, unmanipulated to a degree by um, the government in charge or people in positions of power because there's a lot of money to be made in large crises like that. And bolstering the economy sensibly, it makes sense in a lot of ways because there was such a huge nosedive in a lot of general economic activity that, you know, devising ideas and ways of bolstering the economy significantly in a burst because what we experienced was a burst, like we shut down for X amount of time. So the only way to truly rebound from that would be to have equilibrium on the other end. So you'd have to have like these extreme measures that bump the economy way up. So $4,000 payouts to people, that's a certain way, uh, that's a way of doing it. I mean, that's more money than any ec economic stimulus or over the course of a lifetime that I can remember. I don't remember what the New Deal was for people in the 70s. I yeah, don't think don't, they got any they, money. Yeah. Um, but the New Deal helped a lot of people. It wasn't in the 70s. In the 50s. 30s. 30s. <laughs> My it's American okay, history eludes me. Yeah. My daughter's going to beat me out in American history stuff in like it two won't be long. years. Yeah. Um, but you see, like, here's a guy who used to be a conspiracy theorist. Like, I used to sink my teeth into all of the general stories, uh, Bigfoot, 9-11, aliens, alien abductions, Kennedy, uh, Illuminati, uh, adrenochrome. <laughs> That's a little more specific. That's the old people getting blood from uh, young people and staying alive. Yeah. But anyways, now there's science that uh, is showing that that's at least being tested on mice and it's kind of freaky. Because yeah. <laughs> they're taking blood from young mice and putting it into older mice, and the older mice are healthier. So I'm not done with that one yet. <laughs> but And vampires, too. I mean, they've been around for a long time. So right. If lore can be established from something, then odds are there's something tangible there. That's what I've deduced over my lifetime, is that if you can come up with stories and potential fiction, um, the fiction comes from something. So there's the fiction's rooted in uh, in a reality. It's like the art imitating life, life imitating art bit. I think fiction imitates nonfiction um, in many regards. But back to conspiracy theorizing, just for a short bit. There are real topics that deserve scrutiny, attention, and observation at the very least beyond what everyday citizens are giving them. Um, and I just like to see like just more attention given to everyday stuff, uh, like people really stopping and thinking like, why am I doing this all the time? Or, um, yeah, that's boring, man. No, Come it's on. not. No, it's not boring to find out that you're brainwashed by billboards, propaganda, and all of these things that, uh, yeah, you're waking boring. up to. No, that's snapping yourself out of your own matrix. Mm, okay. That's fun or pulling your own your own cord out of the back of your head. That's not <laughs> fun. Uh, leave me in the matrix. Give me the illusion of a happy life. 
that's not that's the opposite of the matrix. <laughs> what you're breaking free, Sarah. This is this is the yeah, real if I world. Break free. I gotta eat crappy food. No. Gotta constantly be on the run. No. Screw that. Not at all. You're just winning a lot of money. Yeah. Using your skills and your expertise. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's what breaking out of the matrix was for me. Mm. The monotony of life. All of a sudden I started administering my skills that I had worked on for Maybe the matrix just time. changed your program. And you didn't really do anything. All right. Um that's <laughs> that's a good ending point for this episode. <laughs> that's it? where that's where we're going with this season of meandering. <laughs> um All right. No, in a lot of ways you're right. But in a lot of ways, you write your own program. That's true. So I, I really think that uh, I've always thought that, right? Like um, you have a big influence on your program anyway. Uh, you're so, your own life programmer. You're so your own stop debugger. Sitting, you're your own stop hacker. sitting back and going, poor me. Let me. This happened to me. That happened to me. This person doesn't like me, so I can't do this. Knock it off. Yeah. Um, Take take ownership you can do it start with that yeah but in order to take ownership you have to you have to have actions worth of ownership well worth i mean you can always start to go yep i made a decision that led me to this point let me evaluate that decision where i'm at now yeah, yeah. that's fair that's a good start well the decisions that we have made have led us into our first episode of season 4 Overall, I believe we're in the 90s. Oh, we, I can't we be don't know sure. what episode we are? No, sir. I think we're we like, don't know what timeline we're in. We don't know what year it is. I don't uh, know what time it is. I think we're around 89 or 90. I don't, I don't remember. I want to say this is our 90th episode. Right on the dot. Uh, is that another gun? Nah. An M- M90? An M90 is... Just your old-fashioned, yeah, it's a gun. <laughs> a Michigan Highway, a gun, uh, a lot of stuff. A firecracker. Yeah, well, we're a bit more sh- volatile. Assault rifle. Always a pleasure. I'm so happy to be doing this again on a weekly basis, hopefully. We'll right? see how things go, but it, it's just going to feel good to be able to listen to fresh conversation with my buddy Morgan again. Amen. Thanks, man. Later.